All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Greetings, creeps, and welcome to my podcast, This House is Haunted. Over the next several weeks, I'll be sharing my personal experiences of having spent two years in a haunted house in eastern Kentucky. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast, viewer discretion is advised as I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. It was dark, so dark that she could not see her own hand as she raised it in front of her. She was not sure where she was, but knew it was not in her house. The air felt wet and cool, and the surface she was standing on felt rough compared to the warm oak planks that ran through the duration of her house. She stumbled forward, feeling panic rise in her chest. Where was she, and how did she get here? As her mind raced, the sound of something crawling in the distance reached her, and she stopped immediately, hyper-aware that she was in a state of great vulnerability. The sound continued, and the lady realized that it was being amplified by the walls of this place. Although nearly every survival instinct she had was screaming that she should run, It was the voice of her granny that came to her now in this dark and terrifying place, telling her to take a deep breath and connect with the space she was in. Yes, she might not be able to observe her surroundings with her eyes, but she had other means for seeing, and with that, she knelt cautiously to the ground. It was rock and slick with moisture and what she assumed was algae from her frequent days by the creek where she grew up. She heard a slight hissing sound like something letting out a ragged breath and wanted to fall back away from it as it seemed to be moving ever closer. But without knowing where she was, that was a fool's errand. Look, she heard her granny's voice whisper. Look and find your way. The lady pressed both of her hands to the cool surface of the rocky floor and exhaled deeply, and suddenly, she could see through the dark. The darkness still existed, but it was no longer impermeable. A shudder ran through her as the realization that she was standing in the mouth of a cave. No, not a cave, she grimaced. The cave. The one that threatened violence just through being. The one with impenetrable darkness. The one that housed something old and terrible. Something powerful and angry. Something, she thought, that was crawling and pulling its way towards her right now. With that thought, her mind's eye shifted towards the scratching and hissing sounds coming from in front of her. The darkness was much thicker here as if a shroud had been placed around whatever it was that was crawling through. See, she whispered vehemently to herself. See your pursuer. See the mountain. See the thing and the shadows, the one that took your man and the life you would have had here. 
see now. And with all the will she possessed, she pushed back the darkness, exposing a large pale being pulling its bound body forward with one untethered arm. It had no eyes, but dark pits where eyes should have been, so dark that they mirrored that of the cave itself. The body it pulled was unlike any the lady had ever seen. It had more arms and legs than should be possible, and they were all tethered tightly to a bulging torso that had patches of skin that more closely resembled scales in some places and a pale white fur in others. Atop the thing's head was a great rack of horns, with various tiny bones, feathers, and torn pieces of fabrics tied to and wrapped around them. It wore no clothes in spite of the piercing cold and damp of the cave, but was bound heavily in thick ropes, with pieces of brightly covered fabrics tied all over. The pieces of fabric had writing that she could not read nor understand but she was able to catch a glimpse of a drawing resembling that of a wolf and one that looked like a stag. Dark black stones, possibly obsidian, were tied in a makeshift collar around the thing's neck. The one hand that was not bound was moving at impossible angles, cracking and scraping its way around the boulders jutting stalagmites and pools of murky sulfur-smelling water. The lady's mouth was gaping in horror at what she saw, and her terror only grew when she realized how close it was getting to her. It was difficult to turn her back on this thing that had been bound in this mountain, this thing whose breath filled her with hot dread. And she knew it had been trapped inside of this mountain for many years, but by who she could not say. What she knew now was that she could not stay here, that she was not bound but did not know where to go. Her granny's voice echoed in her mind once more and she heard, Follow the light. The lady nearly laughed, which would have promptly gotten her a smack on the hand if granny were still in her earthly body, thinking that light was not in abundance in this hellscape she had found herself in. Wait. Yes. That's what Granny meant. When the lady was a small girl, she suffered terribly from nightmares. So much so that her mother had asked Granny to help her with a way to trigger the lady to wake. This is when Granny had walked her through lighting the candle within. It sounded easy at first, the thought of envisioning lighting a candle that glowed with the warmth of comfort, the warmth of family and hearth and home. But it had taken several weeks for the lady to calm her mind enough to find her light. When she did, she would always find herself safely back in her bed, a warm white candle glowing on her nightstand leading her home, and it had not been lit when she went to bed. She had to light it now, escape this thing that had pulled her into its realm when she was vulnerable and sleeping. While this was a dream, this did not mean she was not in danger. Oh, no. The presence of the thing in the shadows had a palpable evil about it, and hunger, a deep, old, and all-devouring hunger that made her throat tighten with fear. Deep breaths, 
see the light. She sat up so quickly in her bed that she fell out of it and unceremoniously onto the floor. The golden oak floorboards glowed by the light of the candle beside her bed, and she wept at the beauty of her home and the safety she felt in its walls. It took several moments before her body stopped shaking enough that she could stand and sit back on her own bed. She gazed into the flickering candlelight for several moments, reliving the dream she had just woken, and pulled the white duvet further up until it was resting just below her chin. The fireplace in her bedroom was reduced to embers, and she suspected it was sometime around 3 or 4 a.m. She hated the thought of leaving her bed again, but wanted as much warmth and light in the room as possible, so she reluctantly lifted the covers, pulled on the warm flannel robe she had made prior to leaving Georgia, and went to stoke the flame and add some more logs. Once the fire was blazing brightly, she decided to light a few more candles in the room since she doubted she'd be going back to sleep. Since her days typically started at 5 a.m. and sleep didn't feel like it would be as rejuvenating as it might have been the night before. That didn't mean she wouldn't cuddle back in the bed for a few more minutes. And with that, she went to sit back in the iron bed she had once shared with her husband that seemed so small then, but felt so hopelessly large now and stopped raising a hand to her mouth. There on the sheets were wet, muddied footprints. She looked around the room, her eyes wide, wondering if her wards had failed, and then noticed that her own feet were covered in dark mud with bits of bright green moss flicked through it. Her granny's voice, ever the ancestral guide, whispered, That was a close one, child. Bess add some black salt and rosemary around the bed to keep that thing from getting that close again. The lady, still reeling from the image of the thing in the shadows hissing and crawling towards her, thought she'd be doubling all her wards as soon as the sun came up. As soon as the clock struck 10 a.m., the lady had been hard at work for a few hours now. She had taken her grandmother's precautions, but had also buried several iron nails as well as powdered eggshells and black salt and several more protection jars around the house. In spite of the cool of the December day, she had several beads of sweat on her furrowed brow as she walked down the steep path that led to the road into town. She stopped at a little wooden box just on the line of her property. The box was simple enough, but had the lady's name written clearly in bright white paint. A simple makeshift drawer was added and she opened it now and withdrew a couple pairs of men's trousers and a tiny envelope with some coins inside. She placed them in the basket she had used to carry her supplies and walked back up towards the house. The people in town had kept her busy with sewing since her husband had been taken from her. She refused to say he passed, as she felt that his and those other poor souls who had died in the mine that day had been casualties of the deep-seated anger of the thing in the shadows. As she walked back up the hill, she thought of her family who were visiting for the feasting holiday. They had insisted on hosting Thanksgiving at her home this year, since she would not leave the house. They had tried many times to convince her to move back in with them, 
even though her daddy was looking much better since retiring from the mines when her husband had passed. The inevitable talk about a home like hers being meant for a large family came up once again, and she willfully ignored this infuriating comment and insisted she check on the pie she had in the oven for dessert. Her sister, who had come all the way from Tennessee to stay with her since her husband's passing, had joined her and reminded her that Mom and Daddy had come from another time. When the lady stated she didn't recall a time when manners didn't exist, they both laughed, thinking that was something Granny would have called out at the table. Granny had passed a couple years before, but was kept alive and well in the hearts of the family she had raised and taught for many years. A few tears mingled with the laughter and the sisters hugged tightly. The lady, being the older of the two, patted her sister's hand and said they'd best get the pie back out before her parents had wrangled some poor, unsuspecting, passing stranger into joining them and talking about his prospects. The younger sister paused and looked solemnly into the lady's eyes. Promise me you'll be safe here, sister. I don't have your gifts, but even I can feel that all is not well on this mountain. Startled, the lady turned quickly and her sister proceeded. Oh, yes, I can feel it. Somewhere dark but close by. Closer than it was when you first moved in. I can also feel the warmth of your wards or I'd be dragging you out of here by the laces of your boots. Here she looked out the window in the kitchen that faced the mountain. Promise me you won't go looking for it. That you won't get yourself hurt or worse, taken promise me here she took her sister's hand solemnly and the lady squeezed back i have no intention on going on a hunting party but i fear we will come face to face soon enough albeit not of my own making her sister sighed and said i suppose it is of no use for me to agree with mother and father that coming back to the farm would be the best thing for you here the lady intervened but not what's best for this town, for the people here. If I leave, there will be no one here, her sister cut her off. Not your problem, sister. It is not your responsibility to be the shepherd of all lost causes. You are not bound here by blood or marriage, and here the lady looks sadly out the window. Oh, but I am. This is the last place I was with him. The last place I saw his smile. The last place we watched the sunrise together and tasted the apples grown on our own land. I am bound here to this house that was ours, that made us happy, and I'll not have that taken from me too. Her voice caught in her throat and her sister knew she had pressed too far. I'll say no more this day, sister. Just promise me, if worse comes to worse, you'll reach out to me. I may not have wings, but I can ride like the devil himself is after me if it comes to it. The lady smiled and took her sister's hand, squeezing it gently. If worse comes to worse, I'll invoke our bond so that we might stand together. Her sister nodded. Damn right we will. And together they walked back into the dining room, arm in arm, heart in heart. In the mountain. A darkness writhed, feeding on the lamentation in the town below, still racked 
with the loss of husbands, brothers, fathers, and friends. A grating, hissing laugh snaked from its torn and jagged mouth. The binding on the arm that was now loose had filled the thing with, not joy. Joy required a heart, love, all the things that had never touched the existence of this thing in the shadows. No, it was filled with expectation, with promise that the ties that had bound it so tightly to this mountain were breaking, and soon it would make its way to the house on the hill and do what it had always done since the first man had stood and walked across the land. It would hurt. It would corrupt. It would destroy. All right now, creeps, we've made it to the end of part two of The Lady in White. I know we haven't technically gotten to the ghost story part of this yet, but I promise it's coming. When I first thought about this story, I thought, well, maybe it'll be a two-parter, but now... It's looking more like a four-parter. <laughs> uh, sometimes I get a little windy when I get going, but I promise it's going to be good. I hope you're enjoying this little tale I've spun regarding the lady. I have enjoyed giving life back to someone whose name I'll never know, but to who I will always have deep gratitude. If you haven't already, it would mean a lot to me if you would take the time to rate or review this podcast on whatever streaming platform I'm currently haunting you from. Ratings and reviews help to bring new creeps to the podcast, and that in turn keeps this thing going. So please give me a rate and a review, and if that sounds desperate, then well, so be it. You can also find This House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram, where I share all the memes, photos, and I interact with all of you to the best that I can. I am a one-woman show, so I appreciate the feedback I pull in from out there in the ether. Now get out there and keep it creepy this Halloween, friends, and remember, don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night, unless they've got candy just this one time.